Today is the 21st of January 2021. It's a Thursday. And every day we come here to develop goodness, to develop merit. And this merit is a happiness of heart. And as we develop merit, as bunya, our hearts become full, they become uh, contented and joyous. So merit is what beings depend upon um, in this world and in the next world. It becomes our support. And so next, the next world, we can understand that as being tomorrow. We see that one day is one lifetime, and so tomorrow is another lifetime. As we accumulate this merit, it gives us happiness. So the Buddha taught that the cultivation of dana, uh, this generosity, is one of the highest blessings in our life. And uh, it's what gives us this happiness. The means for us to free ourselves from suffering are effort and wisdom. But if we haven't yet reached uh, that point where we have great wisdom, if we're still attaching to different things, stuck in a sense of self, and uh, we don't have the sufficient wisdom to resolve that, the samadhi isn't well established. So for now we need to build up a lot of goodness. And this merit becomes the causes and conditions uh, for uh, our practice to develop. And sometimes, initially, sometimes we do it, sometimes we don't do it. <clears throat> but as we carry on, then we see the benefit of the sacrificing, see the benefit of abandoning selfishness. We perceive the dangers in attaching and getting stuck to our wealth. And some people get money, but they cling to that money and they don't use it for anything good. So they don't gain benefit from it in this life. And when they die, then their lives are just wasted. So the Buddha taught us um, that we should develop this merit within this life. And in all the lifetimes that the Buddha was born into, um, both in his last life and as a bodhisattva, uh, he was dedicated to developing goodness. And sometimes he had a lot of wealth, and sometimes just a little wealth. Uh, but the faith that he had was immense. So it was a great quality that he had. So this shows us that the um, building up of barami, um, a building up of goodness, is something that happens within the hearts. So just like if we make offerings of the four requisites to the monks, or we are generous, charitable to people who are in a difficult situation, the homeless or the elderly. We make uh, offerings uh, of medicines to monks who are sick. This is all acts which uh, builds up goodness within our hearts. And that goodness it abides within ourselves, within our minds. And just like how a seed keeps the root, it keeps the trunks, the branches, the leaves, the fruits of the tree, all of those things are contained within the single seed. And then when we put that seed into the ground, into fertile soil, 
and uh, the sunlight hits it, it gets water, and we protect it from insects that may try to harm it, then that seed will sprout, and uh, it will turn into a tree. So our minds are just the same. These minds are a knowing element uh, that can feel. And they also keep all of the harmful and the good acts that we do. So when we cultivate merit often, then the mind becomes happy. And why is that? It's because they have this energy of sacrifice. And so we accumulate this energy within our mind. And this energy works to purify our hearts, to make them brighter and brighter, and better through the goodness that we cultivate. So if we make merit without the wish to gain anything from it, um, then this is the highest merit. And this is what is most able to bring the mind to purity. But it's not that wishing to get something back is wrong. And that's okay to do that. But those people who have wisdom, they'll be generous for the purpose of abandoning greed. Because they see that greed just stirs the heart up. It makes it all chaotic. And um, you see that pulling greed out uh, from our hearts, extracting it, is uh, something that's very beneficial. You also see that when there is, when the mind, or when we create harmful acts, um, when there's wrongdoing, then this makes our minds ill at ease. But it's not the case that if we don't have greed, or if we abandon greed, then we just don't have any efforts. We don't put effort into our work. We still do all of the duties that we have. But what we receive from our works, then we are satisfied with that. We feel that that's enough. It's not that we we just want more and more, because that would be acting out of delusion, thinking from delusion. So when we cultivate merit, then this also works to abandon and go against greed, and the mind becomes bright as a result. So we abandon unskillful acts and cultivate goodness. And for those who have developed this, developed the quality of sacrifice, they'll also be interested in sila, in virtue, and not acting in any way that harms any beings or anyone. So there's both these qualities of generosity and of virtue. And the results that this gives to our hearts is that of happiness. So that's what happens uh, when we do good acts, that we become happy people. But it's also the opposite uh, from the harmful acts that we do. Um, this also has its consequences as well, its results. And these come up in the form of inner turmoil and heat. And so the cultivation of goodness brings us great benefit. But what's on a higher level than this is having an interest in mental cultivation in the practice. Because when the mind is at ease already, it still can have some kind of attachment there. It can still be stuck in the sense of self. And then it's possible for things that cause suffering to arise. 
So sometimes we may experience or receive gains, receive praise and status and pleasure. But if we attach to those things and they start to change, they degenerate, they leave us, um, then suffering will come in its place. So Lumpur Cha taught uh, that we need to, to train ourselves, um, to teach ourselves to have this endurance. Um, and to gain dharma within our hearts, because this dharma is a medicine for our minds. So we need to train these minds, and this is something that's very important. And train the mind to not get involved in liking or disliking. But is that something that we're able to do? Having equanimity towards the sense impressions that we experience, that's not easy to do. Because it's natural that our minds just chase after all of these things that we experience. And it's not the case that by practicing meditation, we gain the full benefits of that in just a single day. And some people, even though they practice, they experience a lot of confusion, a lot of inner turmoil. So they try to teach their minds. um, This works for a short time, but then the chaos just comes back all over again. We must understand that this is normal because we're still training ourselves. We're not at the point yet where we just know something or we receive uh, or become cognizant of a sense object and then we teach our minds. Our minds are able to accept that immediately. If we can do that, then we've become an arahant already. But now we are training, we're still practicing, so we need to endure. And in the beginning, this quality of forbearance is of great importance. It's the abiding quality of a practitioner, enduring with all of the sense impressions that we experience. If the mind gets pulled into liking or disliking, we train the mind to endure with that. But if we don't have samadhi, if we're just trying to maintain restraint uh, over our senses, um, then many of these sense impressions will be able to gain entry into the heart. And then the mind gets pulled off into liking and disliking, and it's really not easy. So we must endure and keep on studying, keep on contemplating. And uh, eventually the mind will gain a knowledge of these things all by itself. It'll know that when we're angry, then the heart just heats up. And perhaps we'll want to go and criticize, go and shout at people, abuse people. And there may be a great desire to do this. And if we're able to restrain ourselves from doing that, then the mind may just proliferate on and on. And if we don't have samadhi, then this is what it can be like. But once we've gained samadhi, then things become better, it becomes easier, we gain knowledge quicker. We're able to put things down even more quickly, able to put down um, the states of liking and disliking. And when we do this, then this is equanimity through wisdom. But for most people in this world, they have equanimity, but it's a deluded equanimity. And that's what it's like for most people. This is what we call uh, moha upeka. And people think that they're putting things down with wisdom, with knowledge, but really they're just deluded. And people can get deluded in the practice in this way. 
And just like how Lumpur Cha, uh, during his time there was a monk uh, who was staying in a kuti, in a thatched kuti, and the wind blew off part of the roof. Then when it rained, he moved into, went to another corner of the kuti to move away from the rain. But he didn't fix the roof. He was just letting go, but letting go through moha, through delusion. So he went to stay in another corner. So he said that he was practicing letting go. But Lumpucha responded that this is letting go without wisdom, it's not correct. In training like this, it's very close to a buffalo. It's similar to the state of a buffalo. Uh, but it's not exactly the same, it's just very similar. And so that's what it's like um, when we train ourselves in a way that isn't wise, that it's uh, close to being the state of a buffalo. But it's not the case the buffaloes don't have any, have any benefits at all. They're able to plow fields. But if we want to, um, for them to give rise to benefits uh, through wisdom, then that just can't happen. So therefore, what should we do? We need to try to stay close to wise people, to listen to their advice and practice in line with that advice. Just like how if we have a child that's really stubborn, um, we can't afford to just be equanimous, to not teach, to not say anything, but rather we have kindness and compassion in our hearts and then we go and instruct that child. And if they do what we say, then they experience the happy results of that and we in turn feel mudita. But sometimes we teach them, uh, but they don't do what we tell them to. And in that case, we need to uh, be equanimous and wait for the time to teach them. It's not the case that we teach our children through our emotions. And if we do that every single day, uh, we have these emotions um, come up, these strong emotions, and we instruct our ch child out of that and they just become fed up with what we say. But rather when we teach, we need to have mindfulness and wisdom, to wait until we're in a good mood first. So there was one monk who once stayed with Lumpucha. He uh, was responsible for recording Lumpucha's talks, and he would distribute them to lay people. There were some lay people who asked him, if uh, they could offer him anything. So he replied that he didn't have any sugar, and this monk really liked sugar. So these lay people came to offer sugar to him. And uh, Lumpucha, when he found out about this, uh, said that he was exchanging the Dhamma for sugar, and that's not correct. I was really surprised uh, one day when a monk came to tell me uh, that this particular monk had um, instructed someone to pull down a bee's nest in order to get the honey out of it. And then I went to tell Lumpucha, but he didn't say anything just then. Um, he uh, just put it down for that time. So we waited until this monk was in a good mood first, and then he taught him. So he waited for the right time. He had kindness and compassion like that. 
He didn't uh, teach when this monk was in a very unsettled state. So it's not that he just let go, uh, but rather he waited for the right time. He had wisdom in that way. So there was another time when Lumpucha had equanimity through wisdom, that there was a saleswoman who worked in the market in Warren, and she came to the monastery and she talked with or talked at Lumpucha for thirty minutes straight. And she even ended up by kind of shouting at him. And I can't remember exactly what she was saying. But this went on for thirty minutes. And uh, then she bowed, paid her respects, and left. And when she had gone, Lumpucha said, Well look, who is the one who's better? The one who speaks or the one who's still? And it shows that um, those who are still are able to win over those who talk a lot. Because uh, these people who talk a lot like this, um, they just carry on talking. And then when they're done with the emotion that they had, then they just leave. So Lumpucha was able to teach through his stillness. So this practice of letting go, training ourselves in it, it does take time, and initially we need to bring up a lot of forbearance. If the mind is liking or disliking, then we need to endure with that first, and carry on enduring, carry on studying it, carrying on contemplating into it, and in the end knowledge will arise. And then we'll gain some peace, and the mind will be able to come into a state of samadhi, and through that we'll be able to understand things with clarity. But if there's no peace, then we just don't know what's going on. So in that case, we need to endure first. And we do this, we train ourselves in this. And don't uh, give up, don't abandon your efforts. If the mind is getting delighted by something, then we should look into that. We should pick up that object and study it. So say this body, for instance, if uh, we're getting involved in liking towards that, we look into it and see that it's just a collection of four elements. And then when these four elements die, then what's left? What happens? When there's no air, and there's no breath, then this body passes away. It doesn't have the energy in it anymore. So the gravity of this world uh, pulls it down. It pulls all these elements towards it. All these elements change. When the body is devoid of breath, it is also devoid of all its value. It loses its price. So this breath is the real thing that the body depends upon. And if people, whether they feel like they have a lot of money or a little money, um, all of this just relies upon our breath. When we have this breath, then we're able to stay. Um, this brain is able to function, able to think about things. And then it proliferates, it creates goodness and evil. It thinks that this is good and that's evil. It can create liking and disliking. It can create love and hate. It's able to do all of these things. But if we have good mindfulness, um, then we'll see into this breath and understand that there's really nothing there that this breath comes in, it stays for a bit, and then it goes. 
And all day, every day, it's just like this. And with every moment, the number of breaths that we have left is getting less and less. And this is what happens every single day. We're very fortunate to live in this world that has abundant oxygen, so everyone who's born here can breathe. And uh, if we can breathe, if we have oxygen, then we can have life. Uh, But if our our breathing system in the body becomes damaged, then things get very difficult for us. Even though we may have a lot of money, we're ill at ease. Because this oxygen is an important food for our body. So just like how the COVID virus uh, can destroy or harm people's lungs. And then when that happens, um, some people can uh, come back, uh, regain their normal state. Uh, But some people don't, and it can be really difficult for them. Because uh, the oxygen, it isn't able to enter into the body conveniently like it could before. And for some people, their lungs get so damaged that they end up by dying. So therefore, right now, we have this breath. And we shouldn't be heedless. Um, Even though we may have strong bodies, that's not for sure. Our life is not for sure. So we put our efforts into this training using this life to cultivate goodness. And even though we're in this period of crisis now, we're able to cultivate goodness. Just like all the lay people who, through their kindness, have helped out the monks here, who have uh, made offerings to help the monastery. And so I and all of the monks here give uh, an umodana. And this goodness that you're creating, it becomes the causes and conditions for happiness. So we see that generosity and virtue are some of the highest blessings in life. We also train our minds so that they keep these qualities of kindness and compassion compassion with them always. And we just carry on doing this, carry on training ourselves in this way. And in the end, a clear knowledge into the Dharma will arise. And really, it's not easy to see into this, because this arising and ceasing, it's happening all around us, all the time. And just like how this breath comes in and goes, um, and all we have to do is understand this nature of arising, staying and ceasing, um, and then we've seen into the Dhamma, we've known the Dhamma. So we really need to train our minds well. We can chant Itipiso 108 times and do this for many rounds. We try to recite Buddha all throughout the day bringing our mind to stillness, and when it becomes collected and quiet, then wisdom can arise. We can see the Dhamma. So may all of you set your hearts on this.